Uh, if you want to turn to a passage of Scripture, turn to Ephesians 2. It's where we'll start this morning. It's not where we'll stay. We'll quickly leave Ephesians 2, but you should start there. I've been thinking about this um, this series of lessons quite a lot, as I told you last week. And um, as I considered, and as we're going to read in a moment, this definition of character, and I thought about taught, teaching on character and what, um, what inadequacy I might have to do that, I started to think, try to think of, uh, of an illustration just for the the delivery of this message on character. Let's read the the definition of character that we uh, talked about last week. Character is defined as strength of moral fiber. A.W. Tozer described character as the excellence of moral beings. As the excellence of gold is its purity, and the excellence of art is its beauty, So the excellence of man is his character. Persons of character are noted for their honesty, ethics, and charity. Descriptions of a man as a man of principle or a woman of integrity are assertions of character. A lack of character is a moral deficiency, and a person's lacking character If a person has lacking character, they tend to behave dishonestly, unethically, and uncharitably. Person's character is the sum of his or her disposition, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. If I were to just stop there, I start to think about how difficult a uh, series this is. We're going to talk about uh, a person's disposition, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. That's pretty tough. So I just I, I decided to try to think about it a little bit, and I I I thought about radio. Not unusually, I'm a radio station manager. I do radio all the time, but I started to think about. I don't know if you know this, but there's a Transworld radio station down on the south part of this island in Marizzo. And in Marizzo, they have a big tower complex up on a big hill. And it has multiple towers and it has uh, these curtains that connect the towers together. And they all have to be connected just right. And they all have to be pointed in just such a way to reach the destination with their signal, and there's a lot of electricity that goes into this, millions of watts. It's a tremendous amount of power and a tremendous amount of money that goes into keeping the power on and keeping the station operating. I started to think that there's that millions of watts of power, and they're broadcasting from our little island to places like China and Japan and uh, Korea and different places. And I started to think how they're reliant upon one thing at the other end. Did you know that? They're reliant upon one thing at the other end. 
a little thing that looks like this. It's just plastic. It's pretty cheap. I bought this, I bought this radio in Peru. So it's got that, uh, it's got that look that it might be expensive, but that feel that it's really cheap. And that's what they're reliant on at this end, at the other end, at the end where the message goes out. And so I was trying to think through that because as I'm realizing we're going through, there's some astonishing passages of scripture that we're going to go through today. And I, it, it got me to thinking that on this end of things, we're just relying on just a messenger like, like this. Pretty plastic, pretty cheap. And so what I want you to, to grasp this morning is that these passages of Scripture are going to do all the heavy lifting in regards to character. I can help us, I can help to guide the discussion this morning about character, but uh, God's word, God's power, your relationship with God is going to do all the all the heavy lifting. Let's end this definition of character because it says it's good to remember that character is gauged by general tendencies and not on the basis of a few isolated incidents. We must look at the whole life. And as I mentioned last week, it's an amazing thing to think about that uh, our little series that we're doing here is about your whole life. That's all. Just a simple little thing, your whole life. So with that in mind, if the definition of Christian character that we've laid out here is accurate, or it, it at least represents it to the best of our ability, that it's the sum of our disposition, our thoughts, our intentions, our desires, and our actions. And if we assume that this disposition starting with that first word, is in accordance with God's desire, and that our thoughts are thoughts that he would desire for us to think, and that our intentions are intentions that he would want us to have, and that our desires are not natural desires, but they're the kind of desires that would lead us to godliness, and our actions then, out of all that, would be right and be biblical, I think that would require an internal change, don't you? That would require an internal change, pretty drastic internal change. Consistent Christian character must have some beginning, must have some beginning, and it must be the result of something. And it must continue based on some commitment, some focus. And I'm going to propose this morning that the beginning is coming from a faith in Christ. And the commitment is a result of walking daily in relationship with Christ. So let's start by understanding that there is something before consistent character, okay? The scripture is going to tell us that. If you go to this Ephesians passage and start in verse 1, we're going to see that there's something before godliness, righteousness, 
strong Christian character. Says this in Ephesians 2.1. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. It means you've been made alive. You were dead before. Wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So there's something at work in people today who are following the course of this world, and they can be referred to as the children of disobedience. There's, there's a problem with their character. Wouldn't you agree? There's a problem with their character. And there was a problem with our character before, and we'll get to the what it was before in a moment, among whom also we all had our conversation or our manner of living in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, by nature. Remember I said there has to be a change. It says we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Some things we need to understand theologically And that is that we were dead. But we were the walking dead. Did you notice that? We were the walking dead. Because it said that you you were dead, but you walked according to the course of this world. We were chained to sin. We were walking only in sin. We were following only the course that the world system had set out for us. And the way of the enemy, did you notice that, was our way. Because it says, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's talking about Satan. The way of the enemy was our way. His path was our path. We were motivated by our sinful flesh. Did you see that? says you walked or your manner of life was after the lust of your flesh you fulfilled the desires of the flesh and of the mind we were motivated by our sinful flesh with all its desires and its appetites and we were walking as others around us were walking apart from God and on our own in the world and then the wonderful phrase the phrase that's been often pointed out The phrase that changes everything appears in verse 4 of Ephesians 2, and it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. That's a change. That's a major change. That's a miraculous change. God loved us and had mercy Mercy is not receiving something that you deserve. In fact, the word grace is always used. It will be used a little bit later in this chapter, a few verses later. Grace is often used with it. And in the place of uh, that thing that you did deserve, which is judgment, you get grace, which is a, a gift that's unmerited. Verse 5 of Ephesians 2. 
even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. Here's the word grace. By grace, you're saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. This is why so many who would seek to develop good habits, the kind of habits we spoke about last week, if you'll remember when we went through that, sometimes there are even habits that they that would indeed, if they developed them, make them people that were religious by definition. But when they're doing so apart from Christ, continue to miserably fail. He said, now, wait a minute. Some people who don't know Christ are incredibly giving to others. I agree with that. I agree with that. Apart from Christ, apart from Christ, that has only the effect of material things, material things in the world. And so the failure is not in developing some good habit. The failure is in developing the habit for the right reason and by the right power. Which is why all of last week when we talked about this idea of this consistent, the consistency that we must have to sort of begin the discussion of character was never to be uh, a, a discussion apart from knowing Christ and having faith in him. For I would be wasting your time and you would be wasting your own time if you were to, apart from Christ, begin to develop habits that would seem like on the outside were consistent Christian character. Their failure is the result of a lack of new life in Christ. And so no amount of good habits ever could make you alive. Did you notice that it said that in this passage? It is only Christ that can quicken. And by the way, whatever character we begin to show as the result of knowing Christ will also be because of him. Did you notice that? If you went back to the end of verse seven, it says, through Christ Jesus. Whatever it is that you have to, to show and to offer that is of value is through Christ Jesus. And it will also reflect him because it says that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. <laughs> so think about that. So God changes you radically transforms you. And then the, thing, the, the character traits 
that appear in your life and that you begin to develop are a reflection of the grace that he has. Begin to think of yourself. Wow. It's plastic. It's a delivery mechanism for something really powerful on the other end. It's the delivery mechanism for the powerful thing. Second Corinthians 5, if you want to turn there, that's the next passage I want to go to, I think helps to make it a little more clear. Second Corinthians 5, I want to start in verse 14. I'll read through verse 17. It says this, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Same theme, really. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves or live for themselves, live to themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We, we started on the, the beginning of Christian character in your faith in Christ being made alive. And now we're starting to get to the, the continuing of a strong character in the living unto him and not living unto ourselves. We even saw that in the last passage when it says that we're, um, when we're made alive, we'll go about serving him and he will be made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. He's not here with us anymore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There is no person that is not, does not start out walking in death. And anyone who will be made alive will be made alive by Christ. And those who are made alive by Christ, will no longer live unto themselves, as that Ephesians passage told us, and as this one tells us, but will live unto him, will live for him. Are we now seeing the beginning, I think we are in these passages, the beginning of consistent Christian character, being made a new creature by Christ, no longer walking in the old way, but rather in a new way, not according to our desires, but according to his. We can find out how this happens then in the other two verses that we skipped, the more well-known verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I'll just read them to you. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This new life comes as a result of grace. It's through faith in Christ alone. It's a gift. It's never, ever a result of works. But here's the thing. It leads to good works. Here we go again with this constant dichotomy, right, that we talked about last week. What's behind it all? It leads to good works. As we begin to walk, the walk not of a dead man, but of a person who's been made alive by Christ, developing the kinds of habits, commitments, and attributes that will constitute a Christian, a consistent Christian character. Notice very carefully the author of this character. We are his workmanship. We were created in Christ Jesus to do these good works. These people who've been made alive, who've been fully transformed. We were created to do these things that we will eventually look and see, and we will find seeing other people with these attributes with these behaviors, with these thoughts, with these dispositions, as we begin to see them and we'll say, ah, character, consistent Christian character. And we might say something like this, God has done a great work in their lives. And perhaps they will look at us when we begin to develop these character traits and they will say, God has done a great work work in their lives. We may be tempted to wonder then how we should regard the things that come before. How should we regard the things that come before? Got a great example for this. A great example. Because what's good, what we're going to find, what we're going to find is that God is going to use all manner of things to bring us to the point that he wants to bring us to. And he can use all manner of things before our faith in Christ as well because of his grace. And many times it's in spite of what we believed at that time, what we did at that time, what our disposition was at that time and what our character was at that time. But how should they be regarded, those things that came before Philippians 4. We've studied this passage uh, in a Sunday morning service recently. I'm not going to rehearse all that, but we're going to focus on verses 4 through 7 to start with. As uh, Paul writes to the Philippian church, and he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. This is talking about that sinful flesh that we're living in and the things that we're doing. And we're going to see in a moment that he's talking about the things he was doing before the Lord intervened in his life on the road to Damascus. If anybody thinks they have wherein to trust in their own flesh, I more. He begins to rehearse it for us. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. of the tribe of Benjamin, 
and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Saul, before I mention that God intervened in his life on the road to Damascus, had a foundation that he was building upon. It was a religious foundation, was it not? There's no doubt. He was a commandment keeper. And he had a heritage of commandment keeping. He was one of God's people, one of God's chosen people. And he held himself to the highest standards of that heritage and that tradition. He had zeal in it. He had sincerity in it. So much so that he was even persecuting all those who he saw as a threat to that religious system and that religious heritage that he was holding to. Not understanding clearly, we, we know now, not understanding clearly that the one he was persecuting and the followers of the one he was persecuting were believing in the Messiah, the, the lamb that would be sent, that would be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And so he was doing all kinds of things that were consistent with a religious tradition. And he had some habits and somebody would have looked and they would have said, look at how he's disciplined himself and taken himself to a place where He's got consistency, and maybe some would even say character. But he says, all things that were gained to me at that time, I counted loss for Christ. The next three verses in Philippians Three, tell us this. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you think there was some consistent habits built by Paul through the course of the course of his new life Oh, absolutely. I know there were. All you have to do was, is begin to read through the letters that Paul wrote in our New Testament scriptures, and you'll begin to see some things about the pattern of his life. For instance, he'll start books this way. He'll say, I've been praying for you. I've been consistently praying for you. I've never ceased to pray for you. It perhaps didn't look too unlike his previous prayer life when he was walking as a dead man. But 
there's a huge difference. There's a radical difference now because now he's been made alive in Christ and what he's seeking after is the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Messiah. It's a big difference, big, big difference. And now the development of these habits, the development of these character traits, these these, um, attributes is for very different reasons. And sometimes they're very different in their content as well. Very different. We'll see some of them as we go on in this this study. We will uh, look at some of all that and we'll see that that's the case. The uh, second portion of verse eight. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. See the power of a passage like this? You, uh, you, you just think to yourself, uh, you should see all of it in there. <laughs> I want to help if I can. I want to be a delivery mechanism if I can. The old life with its traditions, its heritage, its pretense, if it's, if it's to be seen a little clearly, and even its discipline were counted loss, even dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. You want to know what I'm getting down to in this particular portion right at the beginning here of the uh, study of our consistent Christian character is that the development of consistent Christian character goes hand in hand with and is indeed characterized by, materially characterized by your knowledge of Christ, your relationship with Christ, and your walking with Christ day by day, not as a walking dead man, but as a walking live person in Christ. Paul's own righteousness, as he confirms here for us, was worthless. Here's the thing. Uh, I even, I think I, I even talked about this a little bit last week. There is no doubt that the world sees, even totally apart from Christ, sees a need for character development. Are you not, do you not understand what's happening there? I was talking about a sports team and they talk all about the character of their players. They talk about even taking a player, maybe spending a lot of money on a player who doesn't have as much skill as they, as Other players that cost that much have, but he has the right kind of character, they'll say. It's the right kind of character. 
And in Paul's old life, this was recognized as well. And somebody would look and they would say, wow, there's been a criteria that's been set for a person of the highest character in this religious regard. And this person we can see and we can measure and we can look at, and they've met that criteria, that highest criteria of character within this set of parameters that we have for them. And I dare say this, a person can know the parameters of Christian character that are truly biblical parameters of Christian character and make themselves appear as though they have met the criteria, the parameters of Christian character. And it will all be just as worthless if we're making ourselves to look like we've met those parameters of high Christian characters. It will all be just as worthless as the religious parameters that Paul met, which he counted as dung. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Because our own righteousnesses are worthless. The only worthy righteousness is the righteousness that comes from Christ, the righteousness of Christ which is imputed to us and can be, this is the exciting thing, this is the great thing, can be seen through us. And it's a good thing that they can be seen through us because we have none of our own. You know, we talk about a lot, um, what is the purpose of the Christian life? And there's something that I've heard said over and over, uh, that has affected my thinking about this issue. We will often say this because we find it in the scriptures that our, that our mission, that our goal in the Christian life is to glorify God. Is that not true? We say that. And the, the reason we say that is because that's a very biblical thing to say. But Dr. Olala, since I do his radio programs and I edit a lot of his radio programs and I, I, uh, I, um, many of you have met him and he's been here many times. He says this about glorifying God. He says to glorify God is to reflect the communicable attributes of God in the world. And I, I caught on to that because I understand what that means. I understand that God's communicable attributes, that is the attributes that, that uh, can be developed and shown in us, they, it's as though they, they shine down and we're a reflector. You know, all a, radio is, all a radio does is catch some waves and translate it to you. It's as small and as insignificant it is, as it is. But I, I see, as it were, some some character of God shining down and me or anybody else who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ being on this end, receiving that and reflecting it to the world. 
and I can sort of see it in my mind. And I think that's, in essence, what we're talking about in this study of character. We're certainly talking about our developing relationship with Christ, but we're also talking about glorifying him in the world because of all those things that define character, our disposition, our thoughts, our intentions, our desires, and our actions. They're the means by which we're reflecting who God is in the world. I can see this to be the case. Because when I think of character, I don't know if this happens to you. It certainly happens to me. I see, and in, in my life, I see a few men sort of in my, in my head. I could name them and my wife would know who they are. Bob Harris. I won't name any more. Makes me a little emotional to name. But I see some people of character that I know. And you know what I see? I see the communicable attributes of God being reflected. I don't know if I can do this. For some reason, I did it at my dad's memorial service. But I don't know if I could do it here. I thought about doing it this morning. But I have about seven sheets of paper from my dad's memorial service that talk about his reflecting of God's character in his life. And I might maybe try to bring those next week. We'll see how I do. I don't know why it, uh, it is more emotional for me today to do it today than it was at that memorial service. But I can tell you that I looked at it and I thought, I don't know if I can do that. But what it's about is our mortal bodies and how that the glory of God has to somehow be reflected by our mortal bodies. And I say that the mortal bodies are our problem, but they're also the vehicle, the vehicle by which the message gets down as, as, as humble, as, as flimsy as they are. They're the means by which. Well, I'm off my outline now. Paul's own righteousness was worthless. Even if it was a law-following righteousness, because the only worthy righteousness is the righteousness of Christ, which is imputed to us and can be seen through us because we have none of our own. It comes only by faith. And this faith, this walk, is one of growth and knowledge of him. It's a walk that is victorious over sin in the same way that Christ was victorious over death. Pastor Walton did a good job describing this. Uh, I won't try to repeat that for you, but when he talked about this passage and the idea of knowing him and the power of his resurrection, that's that victorious Christian living that operates on the same power that raised him up from the dead. And it will often mean for us which it, that which it meant for Paul, which was to partake in the sufferings of Christ. I don't have time to do much justice to this. For at the very beginning of Paul's journey as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll see in Acts chapter 9, Ananias was told this. 
Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. You notice even that word vessel gives us this idea. It's being filled up with something. Same idea we're talking about today. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. This participation in the power and suffering of the Lord constitutes the next step in our growth in relationship with him. It means much for our character. The question is, are we developing character as the walking dead or as the living who've been transformed? That's a serious question for you this morning because I don't want to fail in teaching you anything about what the word of God says about our Christian character to make it so, so clear that there's a certain parameter of character to be developed outside Christ. But then there's the kind of character we're talking about this morning that can only be developed in Christ. If you want to talk any more about that, I'd love to talk to you if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Love to talk to you more about that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Some powerful passages of scripture that, um, that really give us light to our eyes. And um, I pray that they will have done that this morning. There's, uh, there's messengers here on the other end that are pretty humble. But if everything's working right, the power will get through, the signal will get through. I pray that that's happened this morning, that you've done that. And I pray that we're doing that in our lives. What an opportunity we have to be the messenger on the other end of the power, to just reflect what you are saying and what you have said. In Jesus' name, amen.